Yes. We're yes, starting. Yes, you, yes. you went for mint right out of the gate. Yeah. See, I'm saving my You're mint saving for the, the mint? break. I think I'm saving my mint for the Why break. Why are you saving the mint? I want something to look forward to. How can you have a mint on the table I never, and just not put it in your mouth? That doesn't make sense to I me. I don't use my like reward points. For most things, I they save go them. away. They don't. Yeah, they do. When they don't, <laughs> I love saving them up. Like, like if you give me a gift card, even for like Taco Bell. Okay. In fact, for my birthday, like four people got me like ten dollar Taco Bell gift cards. I have all of them. You haven't used it once. I feel like I want to save them. For what? I don't know. Especially because <laughs> I'm going there with ten dollars cash Listen. and buying the same thing. But to me, it's like give oh, me I'm gonna those save gift the- cards. You give me those gift cards. I'll take them. And then and I'll the give end. them back when they're used. No, and you can still it. save them. And I may never even know you used them. Exactly. But no, it's there, the there's, some, there's something about me that wants to like hang on to something for a little. Like, I don't want to use it up now. Um, I like. I'm I don't know if this is related. Different. But there was a while where for my birthday, all I asked for from people was blank note cards. <laughs> I, like, I like the concept of just an endless. Pile of blank note cards, and if you look on my desk, what? how old did you see what was on my desk? Do you see what was on my desk? You got all of a sudden I'm getting all these flashes of like your house and, yeah, and your I, vehicle and all these blank note cards everywhere. I, I like to take. You're notes. like the opposite of memento. I think I've, I think there's a note card in in my book. <laughs> there yeah. it is. What is more it's, handy than a blank note card? You're not This wrong. has our schedule on it. You're not wrong. I don't want to use a whole sheet of paper. I care about but the environment. But for birthday gifts? And people are like, yeah, that's fine. I'll get you See, the blank note cards. See, but this is it. This is it. What I like is never running out of blank note cards. And I have so many. Yeah. That, and so that's, that's all rooted <laughs> in this mint. I'm going to save my mint because I know that later I've got a mint. That, where if I eat this mint now. The mint's gone. What do I have? I can tell you right now, my mint's halfway gone, and I'm upset. Yeah. Tell me about your life. Not and good, I'm just huh? thinking, John's <laughs> got one over there. Once I finish mine, I can sneak his. See, and your, your slight envy of me and my mint yeah. is what I thrive <laughs> yeah. on. Like, when I walk down this, the confidence that you see in me when I walk anywhere or talk anywhere is just me knowing. Like, when we're on stage, (laughs) where I get that confidence from is me knowing I can look every person (laughs) in the audience in the eye and know that I have more note cards than them. (laughs) Don't don't swallow your mint. That would ruin it. (laughs) The thing is, I believe that. I believe that there's a part of your brain that does think that. <laughs> look, look at all of you and your lack of note cards. Look at theirs. Theirs is half used up. You fool. <laughs> Where'd the dog go? The dog. Is she around? The dog's right there. Oh, she's out there. The okay. dog. Uh, We're recording outside today. Yeah. Natural sound effects. Day. Yeah. I'm not adding anything in. in so post. you say the greatest have, joke of all time. This is my guarantee. Okay. That I will not mess with this episode. Everything is authentic and organic, for sure. We're not in your living room right now. No, we are on our back porch. Yes. And uh, and today, so I had some questions for you as a person. Um, that's good crunching. That's oh. good, good foley to deal with. I'm um, eating it now because I'm tired of sucking it. <laughs> I understand. Don't take that out of context. No, sir. No editing to this episode. <laughs> so... I had some questions for you, Fire. but then I was like, I, I can't ask them because this is the recap episode. 
And I feel uh, like when we get to the next episode, we can dive in and have a little bit more of our, our tangents at the beginning, feel, yeah. middle, and end and feel, throughout yeah. the episodes. Yeah. Um, I feel like, welcome. 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 Welcome back, Jack. Well, welcome to the listeners who are joining us. This is the recap episode. So this yeah. is, we've read 10 chapters of the 20 chapters of book two, The House on the Cliff. House on the Cliff, baby. And... We're taking a minute, in case you didn't have time to listen to the first 10 episodes, and you just want to catch up and be current, so that maybe, maybe you heard about the live show on October 30th at the Monocle, and you're like, you know what, I'm looking at my schedule, and I just don't have the extra, essentially, 10 plus hours of pod, I mean, each episode is like an hour. Yeah, that's So you got 10 chapters, now. 10 hours, give or take, and I'm sure it averages out. Uh, probably yeah. a little bit above. Hey, we got a good sway hour. going right now. We do. This, yeah. We're on this glider. It's really nice. Yeah. But I, I want to, to welcome these people and then sort of get into it. And I feel like they'll get to know us through, through our, our analysis and yes. our conversation. Yes. Yes. And and not get too hung up on a long-winded tangent at the beginning. Is that fair? That's fair. That's very fair. So I was thinking about how to do this recap, and we've, I mean, we've got 10 chapters. We've got 10 hours of us diving <laughs> into half of this book, which is, again, I think more than anyone has ever put into any of these yeah, books. Yeah, we should be in safe, Dennis. And maybe even the author. Oh, that's, we, yeah. I think it takes us longer to read in and seven discuss hours. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. They, <laughs> we wrote them in a week, right? Wrote them in a week. One hour extra after work every day. Yeah, he's cranking these week. things out. We are definitely sitting with these words spent a lot more longer time. Yeah. Than, he, than he has. Um, and if you're just joining us, that person is Leslie David McFarland. That's right. Who sir. wrote most of the first 25 books. Oh, we've yeah. Been, we've been diving into some pieces. Yeah, you a, found a, a, little, you found a, a biography? A, yeah, it's autobiography. The Ghost Rider of the Wait, Hardy it's Boys. it's an autobiography? Yeah. I thought it was a biography about no. him. I didn't know that it was. This is an autobiography. That's so much better. Amazing. Which I haven't picked it up in a probably a month, month and a half. Well, you read a bit of it, yeah, and then like summarized it into some points that you've been pulling into the oh, end of our yeah. chapters. Um, so we're I learning. We're, we're getting that. some insight. Yeah, and it's fun because then we can approach our analysis differently because now we realize, oh, he's writing this during the Great Depression and he just needs more money so he can get a little bit of coal for his furnace to keep his family warm. And the fact that it's the Great Depression means that he's thinking about food a lot and that is a <laughs> staple of these of the books is the banquets that are described to us at length. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chet's pockets are his wildest dreams. Oh, my gosh. He, he envies Chet. Oh, yeah. Speaking we all of, do. Who is Chet? Chet well, Morton. Why, why don't we take a second? I'll do a little character introduction. Uh, not just a character introduction, but what is the Hardy Boys? Uh, how would you describe? Let, let's go meta. You're, you're writing a, a, a oh. you're writing a three sentence paragraph that's going to be just put at the front of the stack of books for somebody to walk by and be like, "What are these?" Yeah. So, David, what, what are is the, the Hardy what, Boys? What are the Hardy Boys books? They are, you know, amateur detectives. Following the footsteps of their famous father, world's greatest dad detective, Fenton Hardy. <laughs> I like that dad detective. Yeah. How old are they? Uh, oh, man. It's different because in one book. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And the there's... older ones, but we'll go off the new ones. There's it, what, 16 and 17 in the new ones or 17? No, there's 17, 17 and 18. 18. And but, then 15 and 16. But if you're just joining us, that's an important point. Yeah. These books were written in the 20s. 
and then rewritten in 1959. And they changed quite a bit. But like the classic, if you are, are familiar with these books at all, like the classic blue binder, blue bound version uh, of these books that everyone has with like the Hardy Boys and a little flashlight, little flashlight. The number up yeah. top. Oh, I love that. Um, that these are all the 1959 rewrites. Um, and they changed some things. They basically added in cooperation with the police instead of a rivalry with them. Yeah. They changed that. A lot of hatred towards the homeless they added in. The boys were 15 and 16 in the yeah. originals. Uh, and they are so, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but they are so inept as detectives. Oh, yeah. They are just useless, useless oh, detectives. Yeah. But it makes more sense of them being this useless at 15 and 16 than it does then 17, it's 17 18. and 18. It's a pivotal age difference. Yeah. Um, like people get married and get jobs. They, they go to war at 18. Like you're a capable <laughs> person at 18. No one's asking a 15-year-old to solve a murder. Yeah, someone is. Fenton Hardy is. Fenton Hardy is, and so is uh, Chief Colleague. Yeah. Yeah, so... Or in these new ones. Yeah, in the new ones, we've yeah. got Chief Colleague and... the old stealing from them. Right. Well, from Dad. Yeah. From Pop. Trying to take his ideas. Yeah. And in the new ones, Pop is a, like, former... New York City yeah. detective. Now he's private investigator, and people know him. Like he goes places World and famous, yeah. like bouncers and security guards <laughs> are like, "Sorry, you can't go in." And like he shows them a card that says Fenton Hardy, and they're like, "Whoa, the Fenton, the Fenton Hardy, Hardy, even uh, wig right shops this way, sir." Yeah, yeah, wig shops, Kaufman. The wigs. most random places know who this man is, except for one occasion. Right? Wasn't there one moment where someone was like, "I don't know who that is." That name yeah. didn't work. Yeah, I was trying to think of what it was. I can't remember. Yeah, it was I didn't remember book. if it was something that we came up with or if it was actually in the book, but it was on this Which season. has to be a total gut check when you're just walking around on this reputation and then somebody's like, Fen Hardy, I don't... Who? What are you talking about? You're like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm famous. <laughs> give, give me Maybe things. Maybe it was the two tied up folk. No, because the, the, da- the uh, farmer knew who he was. Oh, he did? Because he was like, wait, are, any this- relation to the Fenton Hardy? Oh. You're right. Which yeah. I, which we'll get there. Yeah. But I, there's something in that that I, as I listened to our episodes and reread stuff, I was like, I want to go back to this a tiny Ooh, little bit. Ooh, a little backtrack. Uh, just just a tiny one. But so the the fir- this is the second book. It's called The House on the Cliff. The first book was The Tower Treasure. That was a fantastic And in read. it, two things happened. The first half of the book was Chet's car got stolen. And when they get it back, there was a red wig in it. And then they <laughs> find that the tower mansion was robbed. And... Then it turns out it was the same person who had done both things. Uh, and they found it by searching, like, the, it was the New York City Police Archives. They searched for, like, criminals who wear red wigs. <laughs> yeah. And there's a guy named Red Jackley. And that turned out, and then they just spent the last, like, half of the book confirming and chasing this one suspect who happened to be the right suspect. Yeah. And, and they solved the crime. <laughs> yeah. Not unlike that, the house on the cliff, I don't know if we're to the main mystery yet. Uh, yeah, the, I've thought about the same thing. We're definitely not at it. I feel like this whole which is drug such a slap smuggling. in the face to Fenton. Yeah. So what we know so far, halfway through the book, here, can, can I give a quick like? Yeah. Do the quick rundown. Here's the skeleton, and then we'll put a little bit of meat on it. Yeah. Skeleton is. Um, Dad's got a telescope, and he says, "Hey, boys, take the <laughs> telescope." Um, at length, he details uh, the the boy the narrators. Not even the boys. The narrator details how to operate a telescope, which is strange. Um, but they're they're going to look at uh, for smugglers. Fenton Hardy's like, yeah, why don't you help me find smugglers? So they go out and they're looking at boats in the ocean, and they see a boat, 
And then they hear somebody scream inside this house, the old Pollitt place, which is now it's since been abandoned. For a month. Yeah, uh, Felix Pollitt passed away. Yeah. Um, and so they end up leaving uh, eventually after sort of going inside, and there was screaming, but they never found anyone, and they got locked in a room yeah. uh, at a point. So, like, somebody was messing with them, and they or it that's was some ghosts. person or ghosts. Yeah. Uh, the eyepieces from their telescope got stolen, and the tools from their motorcycles got stolen. So somebody was messing with them, but did it in a way where they did not detect this person because they are not good detectives. <laughs> uh, so then they, they're riding their bikes home, their motorcycles, and they get uh, hit by a landslide, and they pick that up. And then as they're standing there, they see this boat race. <laughs> and then one of the boats throws like a Molotov cocktail or a grenade or something. Yeah, hand grenade. Hand grenade into the other boat. Big explosion. <laughs> the guy's drowning, so they swim out, save him, and take him to some farmer's house nearby. <laughs> that night, they go back to the farmer's house uh, with Fenton Hardy this time. And then they're like, the, the farmer and his wife are tied up, and the guy that they had saved, who was recuperating, He's gone. He's gone. Is, is, now, this is, man also gave a fake name to them. Yeah, like they Bill heard this Jones name or they're like, like that. That's clearly a fake name. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the boys follow the, down the road where the farmer said, like, well, they drove off this way uh, past the Pollock Place down there. They can't see the car and they give up. Yeah. Then the next day, Fenton Hardy goes missing. Ooh. And the boys start to look into it and they question Pretzel Pete, who's a friend of their father's, who's an informant sort of yeah. food vendor down at the marina. Yeah. Uh, the waterfront. Yeah. And uh, they find out that there may be something going on at the uh, at Pollock Place, or there was this other little hut that they visited. But they're looking for their dad, and these two boys are just sort of off on their own. Uh, and then they go back to Pollock Place, and there's people there now. It was abandoned and in shackles, and now it's run by these three people. Things are yeah, groomed. Two, two men and a woman. Klein, red, and a fair-skinned woman. My or a thin-lipped God. woman. Th- I think it was, yeah, I think yeah. it was thin-lipped. God, I hate I the pencil thin lips. I forgot about that. <laughs> you couldn't even notice she had lips. They were so thin. So they're like, these people must be related to the smuggling. Yeah. Because that would make sense. If this car drove away, it probably pulled into Pollitt Place. Um, that was close enough where they could have kidnapped uh, Bill Jones. Bill Jones, yeah. From there, smuggling could be happening. If, like, where would they go? Maybe there's a place down by the, the edge of the cliff. So these house, the house is as it says in the title, <laughs> on, a <laughs> on a cliff. I'm confident that the house on the cliff is Pollitt Place. I don't think there will be a second house on a cliff. Like they said in the beginning, like they walked up to the house on the cliff. Yeah, it's got to so be. So I'm pretty sure we're house. one yeah. and the same. Uh, and they've, they're looking for their dad, and they just found... Um, th- so, big important thing that I missed. Sorry. I'm doing my best just off the top no, of my like head. The, man, okay? the man that showed up. Yeah, you're doing yeah, the great. Man, the man that showed up and said, I'm a truck driver, and I waved at your dad, because yeah, when I drive like, in the country, I wave at people. to the Hardy's home. Yeah. And after, I imagine after, it was like 12 o'clock at night, too. I imagine it was a really late, strange hour for this man to show up. And that's a fun little excerpt that I'll probably bring up at the finale episode yeah but just the conversation that happens like he comes to the door like won't talk until he's let in and then says almost nothing and gets sort of defensive and then leaves so <laughs> like, you could have just called man you he, didn't d- need he to- says i'm a truck driver and i'm bill jones i'm a truck driver <laughs> <laughs> or he's not bill jones 
Yeah, he could be. Phil Campbell? I don't know. I hope I don't, that's I, not right. I hope that's right. That's I hope impressive. it's not right. I don't want to be right on that I one. hope you're right on that. Um, but so the, the boys go looking where he said, and there is a, a bloody hat that they see. Um, through a window. Through a window when they're talking to these three people at Paul Place. Which we have a lovely illustration of this scene on our Instagram page. You should check it yeah, out. Yeah, some chapter art has, has a great, great depiction of this moment. Uh, and then as we, as we enter chapter 10, the boys were like, hey, maybe they're smuggling. Maybe there's some way that like, if they're smuggling from these boats, they can get, like maybe there's some hole or some, yeah. some path from the bottom of the cliff into Pollitt Place where they're able to, to do their smuggling. And then chapter 10 is called A Watery Tunnel, <laughs> which is exactly what you think it is. But they go out with Chet and Tony Preto in Tony Preto's boat. Stolen. And they, they find this watery tunnel, and they go into this clearing, and there's this guy there staring at him. And the last Ooh. thing we get from chapter 10 is Frank says, hey, I think that was Felix Snatman. And Snatman is the man that Fenton is pinning this on from the very first chapter, I yeah, think. like page three. Out of nowhere, too. He's like, Fenton ah, this has like, got Snatman written all over it. Yeah, and, and says in there, like, Snatman hasn't been, you know, seen or heard from in, <laughs> yeah, in he's probably years, dead. But I think it's him. And then there's two other times where we're with Fenton where he's like, I'm sure it's Fenton. I just, or I'm sure it's Snatman. I just don't know how. Yeah. It's like, I just need to prove it. And we pinged on that as like, that's a really bad detective move. Yeah. This is Red Jackley all over again. Like, look, just look ten at times everything unbiased and yeah. not just try to, like... If you want to make it seem like it was that man, you can get there, even if he's you innocent. Know when, you know when people uh, do those... Uh, it's, I think it's not a real-life thing, but in movies where there's, like, that room with maps and photos and red yarn connecting yeah. <laughs> everything with pushpins? Yeah. I imagine Fenton Hardy having this photo of Felix Snatman... And then he's got a piece of yarn pinned to it, and then he's just holding the other end, <laughs> looking around the room for something to pin the other end of that yarn to to point to Felix. Yeah, but there's, like nothing, there's nothing that automatically connects to Snapman. Yeah. It's just like, well, what can I pin this to? You can get there, though. We also he can get it. Uh, they found a towel from the, the Marco towel. Polo. Oh, that's they right. They found a scrap of a towel. Which is a boat. Which is a boat that... Ali Singh, who's an Indian oh, smuggler. Lord, I forgot about Pretzel Ali Pete Singh. Pete told us about Ali Singh. Yeah. Uh, is somehow connected with the Marco Polo. And so what, what we know now is that tomorrow in the book, tomorrow they're going to, the Marco Polo is going to come in. They're going to see if they can't find out more about Ali Singh. And they're going to see if anything gets smuggled into the watery tunnel potentially. Ooh. But th- that's the that's the skeleton of what's happened. Yeah, some high stakes fair? in there. That's that's a good skeleton. What are some of right now? What are some of your favorite memories that the boys have made so far in this book? Ooh, that the boys made or that we made? Well, I think it, that's one and the same. I think okay. we vicariously because I still see the world through the eyes of Frank and Joe Hardy. I love that Chet had a during this landslide that they're like, oh, he stole the tools, but he happened to have a screwdriver. In his just jacket pocket. Oh, yeah. And he was just like, okay, I got snacks. I got screwdrivers. Any kind of tools, food, a whole survival kit. You need an extra wheel for your car? Gotcha. Also, I just love that. Chet is the fat one of their friends. And like yeah. every time his name is mentioned, they bring up like the stout boy reply. Yeah. yeah, portly, anything. Uh, but 
you had noticed, and I didn't notice it at first, in the first book, there's an illustration with all of them standing there. And Chet's stocky but well yeah. built. He's got a thin waist. Yeah, he was uh, a good looking boy. He's got a thin face, like broad shoulders. And yeah, like, and he's a football like, player. A barrel chested, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then in the second book, <laughs> in the first illustration, there's just a pudgy tub of a man with a gut. And I just... I'm, I'm picturing like the publisher man. who's like... He's not fat enough. Not fat enough. <laughs> this will really sell the books. <laughs> we want somebody to pin it on. But in the Depression, are they trying to villainize? Oh, or, yeah. Or vilify him for being, for overeating? Or is it... That's you know, a good question. I've never thought of it like that before. Uh, we, yeah, we should Google the originals. What did people think of fat people <laughs> during in the, the 20s? Depression. <laughs> during the Great Depression. I also... Is Chet... Also, because the, the Hardys are rich. That's a given. Yeah. They have a, a two-story house. Three. A gymna- oh, yeah. They just added on. Three-story home, gymnasium. Right at the corner of High Street and Elm Street. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Yeah, You're correct a, on that, they've too. They've got a gymnasium where the what's, garden used to be. What's Chet? Because Chet has a yellow jo- Well, in the 50s, he had the jalopy. They're farmers. His parents are farmers. They've got the, uh, the Morton farm That's with right. his sister, Iola, who but is Joe's. Remember the first time we meet squeeze. him, they're eating Welsh rabbit. I'm thinking Chet comes from money, right? So it's okay for him to be fat. Well, in the 20s, farmers made money, right? It's not like now where they, where they don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but farming, agriculture's are always made a bunch of money. But, sm- Those- but it's the corporations. Like a small farmer isn't going to rake it in in depends, today's climate. Depends on the farmer. Some of them do. Some of these ones that we shop for climate, some rich people. That equipment doing they okay. have, too. Is, oh, I dropped my book. I got it, though. Okay. <laughs> it was sliding. The crowd waits and in I, suspense. I, was try- yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it was sliding. But, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't, like, know about, I don't I, know much about farmers. I don't know much about the economy in general, <laughs> yeah. let alone what the economy was like in the 20s when it was objectively collapsing. Yeah. But so try I know and, that uh, the stock market crash was planned. You do? Yeah. By Obama? It wasn't by Obama, but they planned it in 1919. Dude, there's there a cardinal was, right there. A legit a cardinal sign, on dude. the fence. You were... You're throwing a rock at a cardinal? No. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, like in the 20s, let's say you're a farmer. Like now, you're a farmer and you like contract with Dole. And you, you grow a bunch of, of beets yeah. and you sell Ooh. them to Dole. Yeah. And, and Dole contracts with you to say, hey, we need, you know. Ex- and we got all these concentrated we juices. A, we got a, 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 a ton of. Of beets that we need for this, please grow them, and we'll yeah. pay you X. Um, and then Dole sells those to the grocery stores, or or Sunkist, or Chiquita. You know these different what have you produce conglomerates. <laughs> but in the twenties, the Mortons had a farm. Do you think they sold like directly to grocery stores? Do you think they sold directly to like? Could I think you, straight to Rocco, man. Rocco, the fruit stand, yeah. Owner, but do you think like you could roll up to their farm and like buy a banana? Well, I mean, I mean, unless Chet ate all of them, they're somewhere in the Northeast, so they I would not say have so. A banana crop fresh. I but, would, I would imagine though, in the twenties, that's how they made a lot. They have their. Uh, I'm trying to, when we buy seed and uh, and other uh, agricultural things for our farm, 
we just buy it straight from the, the Wait, dude. Wait, you have a farm? Well, I don't have the farm. My dad and my uncle have a farm. And you're just telling us this now? We were talking about farmers, and you just now <laughs> say our farm? What do they grow? Where is it? Uh, it's in uh, Bowling Green. And it's it's not like a big farm. It's more for, for hunting. So there's alfalfa and, and clover. And do they harvest anything and sell it? No. Okay. No. Because the, the Mortons, I think, say specifically in the first book, like, they are a working farm. Right. So which, I'd imagine they have customers then. Yeah. But People do you that think just, that's enough to become rich? I don't know. Because I'm imagining if I'm back there and food is scarce, I'm going to jack my prices up. But everything's relative. And if you can't afford my fruit, you got to sell me one of your family members. <laughs> yeah. just I mean, like, a year of their farm service. Yeah. <laughs> But like back then, like I feel like, oh, we we sell apples, and you can get nine bags of apples for two pennies, and then the Mortons have two pennies. But what can you buy for two pennies other than nine sacks of apples? That's a good question. So I, I feel like know. you need a, a good contract, and I wonder who the Mortons have. <gasps> I wonder if the Mortons gates. start growing salt, and that's where we get Morton salt. Oh, that's not a bad call. Is that an actual salt? Yeah, Morton salt. That's like the girl with the umbrella. Oh, yeah, yeah, Morton yeah. Salt. The yellow umbrella? Yeah. Morton salt. I mean... Dude, that salt was awesome. It still is. Because it, it had that with top o- that you pulled out. Yeah, it was like a, a little, tin top. Yeah, you're like you cut your finger when you first yeah, tried to open it. Yeah, dude, I just loved opening that. I don't like salt, but I love pouring it out. It's very, it's they very did nice. A, they did a sponsorship with OK Go for one of their recent videos oh. where they like colored a whole bunch of salt and made this whole wall and exploded them. And in real time, it looks like the whole thing just explodes. Yeah. But they film it at some crazy frame rate. And it explodes like in order and does this colorful design like that's timed with the music. It's pretty sweet. Where does that salt land on? Oh, uh, I guess the camera equipment. <laughs> oh. Well, I, they like revealed that it was landing on a bunch of popcorn that was also Ooh. like popping. Oh, that's not a bad that idea. That would be awesome. I'm just saying, okay, go. Why don't you go ahead and uh, get a little bit more creative there? So I think this is a good time to bring up the fact that we don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I just realized that this whole thing <laughs> was zero. <laughs> this tangent was built upon growing salt, which is not, <laughs> not how salt works. <laughs> it's definitely not grown on a small farm in New yes, York. Yes, it is. Come on. Where do you think salt comes from? The trees, man. Everything comes from Morton the trees. Farms. Morton Farms. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen our salt trees? They're beautiful. <laughs> Like to pick a salt flower off of them. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, so we don't know anything about the 20s. Or the 30s or, the or 40s, 40s or 50s. 50s. <laughs> I, I have a, a thin grasp on what the 90s were like and then nothing for the 2000s or 2010s. That's because the 90s screwed us up. Did they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, what they did to our food. But you know what the 90s gave me? A love of the Hardy Boys. Is that's that a, that's when I started reading them in grade school. Yeah, I guess that with the Scholastic um, Book Club. Book Club, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember the Bookmobile Man? I do remember the Bookmobile. I knew the guy who drove the Bookmobile. Uh, As a child, you knew him? No, like okay. I know one of the people who drives the Bookmobile. Is it weird? What? The Bookmobile? N- knowing the book Bookmobile Man, like, like being oh, an adult like and knowing the magic? Him. Yeah. No, but I I remember being struck by the Bookmobile. 
Uh, not physically. I remember being <laughs> yeah. being struck by the bookmobile and thinking like, oh my God, this is all the books. This is crazy. Yeah. But now knowing like this is a small trailer with books. Yeah, in it. like, it's this sad. Is not... As a child, it's a magical place. It's a Harry Potter world, man. You're but, walking into a different realm. But I start to wonder, how do they keep the books on the shelves? I would like to go back in now as an adult and see what the bookmobile is like. I've done it kind of because there's a comic mobile at a, a thing called Toy Man. And it's it's off putting. It's it's sad. You feel like they're gonna drive away with you in it. Why well, I, I hope they don't do that with the kids. Well, that's what I'm saying. I wonder if there isn't a sponsorship or not a sponsorship, a partnership rather, that we could strike up with the Hardy Boys books and St. Louis County Library. Even though I live in the city, I guess I should probably you're you're a county. I'm a county man. I yeah. don't think the city has bookmobiles, and I base that off almost nothing. Well, you do a lot of school work. I do. I, I, I do work with a handful of schools. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of an end there. See, but this is such a strange book, and I guess here it gets into a, an actual thing about the books. I don't know who these books are for. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I was going to say, like, I can't go into a grade school and like, <laughs> hey, do you want me to read you guys this book? Like, that's not, like, it's it's definitely above the age of anyone who wants to be read to. Well, I mean, I feel But like it's the below the age tells. of anyone who can read. <laughs> that is <laughs> the sad truth. It doesn't even have a, like, marketing of an age on these things. It's not, like, certain age and up. What was that? That was uh, my phone reminding me to drink water. Are you serious? Yeah. Why did it do that? Because <laughs> I, I asked it to. Bottoms Ooh. up. How do I do that? I like that noise. Okay, I get a considerable amount of grief for, <laughs> for what I'm about to tell you. Uh, everyone that I've told this to, everyone, without exception, has made fun of me for it. Okay. Here's the test. I paid $5 for an app that reminds me to drink water. $5 a month or $5 just, just a one-time one time, fee? $5. For an app that sends reminders to my phone and to my watch that say, hey, don't forget to drink water. <laughs> and if I wanted to, I could, uh, when it reminds me, I can say how much I've drank. Yeah. And it'll keep track of my intake during the day. Oh, that's cool. I can set goals for how much and yeah. I can customize my reminders. But I kept getting dehydrated. And especially in our profession, like when oh, you're on set yeah. all day, it's not always like, oh, hey, everybody time to drink water and like i would get dehydrated and so now my watch is like sean drink water. take a sip take but a instead sip instead of saying this. sean drink water it just makes that like water gushing <laughs> sound i'd pay five dollars just to get that sound effect yeah are you kidding me i can't i'll see if i can't hack the app and get it to you yeah hey no judgment i think that's a cool app you Thank should you. be reminded to Thank drink you. water i've spent five dollars on way dumber and <laughs> everyone else who's judged you has done the same thing good yeah, I'm happy to be in in this kind of company. Yeah, same Just kind of company man. that would spend hours diving <laughs> deep into a book that is absolutely not worth it. But so as we've read this, the, the question of who is it for? Yeah, because it seems to walk back and forth and cross this line of like boys being crazy reckless. Oh like, yeah, like these two boys, and even if they are 17 and 18 in the new versions, like. They're trying to hunt down these smugglers. They're, like, facing off with these people. Well, man just got a grenade thrown at them, and they run out and swim in the ocean to go grab them. It's like, those people could throw grenades at you. Yeah. Do you what think they thinking? had one grenade? Yeah. And there is a whole conversation between the supposed snatmen and the boys as he's pointing a gun at them. 
And I think Frank's trying to say something wise to him. Do you remember this? Yeah. I forget yeah. what the Sam line is. not is. pointing the gun and allegedly Snapman. Um, this yeah. man. So when they pull into the watery tunnel, when we last left them, uh, there's a guy standing there who they think is Felix Snapman. And he like says, get out of here. Yeah. And Frank's like, yeah, we're not doing anything. And he, it says he gestures significantly <laughs> or reaches significantly toward his gun. Like, yeah, or toward, toward his holster. <laughs> he had so, super long arms. So he doesn't pull out any gun. He doesn't aim it at him, but he's he's letting you know he's he's got heat. And the boys are like, hey, okay, sort of thing, we'll he's get got out really of here. small arms because he had if he had significant. <laughs> It's just a hand just coming out of his shoulder. Arms. So he just straight up leaning to make it. <laughs> oh man! Now I wish I had redone the illustration. <laughs> oh wait, you did chapter ten. Did I? Of that sweet. <laughs> so, the kang- chapter 10's chapter art is the uh, the kangaroo. <laughs> because when they go to the waterfront to find Pretzel Pete and ask about the uh, the Marco Polo ship to like blend in, they watch the street perform, and it says they buy a, a kangaroo, monkey a, kangaroo. a monkey and a kangaroo. Yeah. And it doesn't say like they're stuffed animals or they're, you know. Anything like that. It just says they buy a monkey and a kangaroo. And they're like, Callie and, and, uh, and, and I will love these. Yeah. And uh, so, so Frank, gives, Frank gives Callie a, uh, a kangaroo and she gets kicked in the head. And a few people just say, why? Why did you draw that? Because it's funny and it's such a small joke well, within the said, episode. So a little behind the scenes yeah, of like how we record scenes. this podcast. Um, we sit down with a Zoom F4 field recorder and two Rode M1 microphones plugged in with the tricks uh, XLR cables. Woof. Woof. We record to a SanDisk SD card <laughs> before putting it into uh, how many gigs Logic is that Pro SanDisk? It's a 16 today, but normally I go 32. 32. We'll be fine. As long as we don't go over... Oh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, we only have another 14 hours of space on this card, so gonna have to start to wrap it up here. <laughs> uh, no, but so we, uh, I then edit the episodes, add in the intro, um, yeah. and then I upload them to Simplecast, and we take turns illustrating the chapter art. So each episode gets a square uh, Custom artwork. artwork that that goes that gets uploaded with it, and I take. Odd chapters, and you take even chapters. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I always you send me your artwork, and I get to upload it, and it's always very exciting. And the kangaroo one, I could not remember, and I'm like, you just send me this picture of a kangaroo <laughs> kicking someone in the face, and it's a great picture of a kangaroo kicking someone in the face. And I'm staring at. It, I'm like, I cannot remember anything about a kangaroo kicking someone in the face. And so I had to listen to the episode when it came out. And yeah. Was, and when we got to that part, it's like, ah, ah sweet resolution. <laughs> Well, I hope it was worth it. Uh, do you want to take a super quick break? We're at 30 minutes. 30 minutes? So we're about halfway. Uh, do you want to take a quick break? And when so. we come back from the break, I think we should go through each of the chapter arts as sort of a way of summarizing some of the moments we found oh. necessary. And from start to finish, we'll just go through those chapter arts as, I like as that. a means of recap. Sound yeah. good? Yeah. I love that. Are you kidding me? All right. Because I don't think the chapter artwork gets enough love. I, I also agree with that. Yeah. So... We'll see you in a second after a word from our sponsor, but probably nothing. Sweet, sweet <laughs> relief, baby. You minting it finally? Well worth the wait, <laughs> my friend. 
<laughs> Look at your non mint having ass. Over uh, like yeah, a I'm chump. a little upset. It's actually working. <laughs> I'm very jealous right now. I almost got How you another it? one. <gasps> and then but I, like, I was going to have this moment. Yeah. Yeah, I just forgot. Oh. I went inside to get the cable to, to charge this. and Is it everything I dreamed it would be? It's better than it would have been <laughs> in the first half. Just that little weight. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I messed up. Mintsville population up. me. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, and we're back. We're back. What's up? Yeah. Did you guys miss us? <laughs> we've. Uh, this is the third episode that we've put in a little break in the middle. Yeah. Uh, to eventually maybe serve as a space for a sponsor, but that I feel like happen. it's also an opportunity for us to get our energy back up a little bit. Um, last episode was my first episode since having a kid. Yes, it was. And I felt, in hindsight, that I was lacking a lot of energy. I felt like I was dragging that whole episode. Um, How was my performance? Yours was great. You were spot on. You were fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Top Thank 10. You. Um, but so I'm glad that we have this moment to reset a little bit. Because I like the break, too. It is. It's a move around your the mind. Blood Sitting and talking for an hour is tough. It is. This is a hard job we have. <laughs> like, people who are like, I don't know, coal miners, they that's don't know easy. what real work yeah, is. That's easy. Hell, and that, that uh, Chernobyl show, they're coal mining naked. It's like, we don't get to do this naked. Yeah. You know? But there's a Patreon tier. <laughs> oh, God. Where, uh, no, not really. <laughs> we haven't plugged that in a long time. I was, I was thinking about yeah. that just a minute ago. If, uh, of our Patreon account, how we haven't pimped it out in a while. And so I think if you're just joining us for this podcast, it's a good time that we tell you about the Patreon. Yes. And I hear there's a lot of great rewards at low, low prices. So low. So low. So low, they almost don't actually help us. <laughs> yeah, if you go to Hardy Some and Sons... you spend more on making framed photos than you actually get from uh, the Patreon. Yeah, so uh, we've got a few tiers. I should probably look it up and, and walk through these real quick. Uh, the most expensive tier that is actually populated with anything is the $9 tier, and we have one patron at the $9 level, uh, and that is Sir Brett Hoy. And Brett Hoy is... Um, he's lucky. He's lucky to get what he gets for that $9. Yeah, so... Uh, at $9, we call that the uh, average audience member tier. <laughs> um, so at that level, we are officially grateful, and we will mention you on the podcast, and then each month we will send you a new signed photograph of ourselves. And they are fantastic and signed photographs. I want to apologize to Brett. I've, we've gotten behind, and it was my fault with the whole kid thing. Yeah. Kind of got in the way. We tried to batch a couple episodes. We have a photo waiting for, I believe, we're still like two months behind. Um, but it's, sorry, there's a call from Bad Dog, and it, it oh, jogged me okay. out of my thought process for a I second. I was wondering, that didn't make the water noise. I wonder what no, that was a, a notification. Was a Maybe Sean's paid five bucks for a lot yeah. of things in his life. Um, so then some of the other tiers here, <laughs> just starting from the bottom, uh, for $2 a month, uh, we will mention you in the podcast uh, for $5 a month. 
we'll mention you in the podcast and we'll be grateful for your contributions. Oh, see, and that's, that's a big difference because in the first year we will mention you, but we are not actually grateful <laughs> for your two dollars. It means nothing. Yeah, I pay Helps no one. I pay out of my pocket twelve dollars a month to host this podcast to keep it somewhere where you can listen. Yeah, and your two dollars means nothing. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Bud. Who is in that tier? Who so is even that in tier, that tier? Uh, I think Jesse is. Come on, Jesse. Uh, then we got a five dollar tier where we're grateful, seven dollar tier where you can be a part of a radio play. If we get enough, uh, oh, if, if I we love get that eight idea. people, eight people at the seven dollar tier, we're going to write a Hardy Boys radio play, and we will use those eight people to cast it. Uh, we were talking it. about maybe doing the famous uh, Lem Biller scene. No, I believe this this radio play is an original. Oh, now there's there's another thing. Where right. if we get a total of 25 patrons, uh, we, you and I will produce a video of a scene yeah, from the book unfolding. That's it. We have a few good scene ideas. Yeah. Man, our Patreon thing is awesome. Um, and then there's a $100 a month tier, which gets you access to the monthly signed photo and a voice accent workshop. Which we have a proven track record. Absolutely. Uh, Pizza Party Polly. Just that. <laughs> yeah, we got a job for someone though. Yeah, they we do. Did we do good. good work. We do great work, and, <laughs> and we've got the track record to back it up. So yeah, check us out on Patreon if if you want to support it. We know we won't be grateful for the two dollars, but it does add up. And that's um, Hardy and Sons podcast on Patreon, correct? If you go to hardyandsonspodcast.com dot com, there's a link find to the a link Patreon. To Patreon, you find a link to our store, which is another way to support us. We've got oh, some we have merch. amazing merch. We a new make, shirt just added too. We make absolutely nothing off of those shirts. Like honestly, like fifty cents profit off those shirts. Keep them low for folks. Keep currently on, on Patreon. Where's that hoodie? Almost every day. It's a great hoodie. I've got yeah, one myself. Says it's the most comfortable hoodie he's ever worn. They are really comfortable. And Keith is not one to say lies. No. So currently, our Patreon says we make eleven dollars per month. And that's before the Patreon fees come out. But we need to get to $12 a month <laughs> to not be losing money making this podcast. So keep that in mind. There's one person out there. You, uh, you can help us here. Yeah. Um, but back on the, uh, on the Instagram side of things. Oh, yeah. The fun side of things. Wanted to quickly go through the 10 chapter arts and sort of describe what these are as a means of introducing the book. If you haven't gotten really familiar with the chapter arts, we put them on Instagram. And depending on where you download the podcast, uh, that artwork comes along with it. But uh, the first chapter is a uh, picture of a guy reading Playscope magazine. Oh, that's a great one. And this I really took some time to make Playscope a really good telescopic porno magazine. Yeah, and this was the first of um, you doing it on this new app, right? Yeah, with with some video, with some time lapse of the illustration happening. But the first chapter, the first few chapters, are so like so fetishized the telescope that we assume that the author had to be just like some weird telescope loving maniac. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so this this chapter art is this moment in time of where he's. Reading his his Playscope magazine, seeing all the new lenses and glass. And I looked up Alvin Clark and Sons refracting telescope lenses is the big ad on the back. Yeah, and that was a real company from the twenties that made telescope. Oh, lenses. that is fantastic! 
hot new eyepieces on the cover. Issue 408, man. Yep. So that was, that was chapter one. Uh, chapter two... See the uh, chapter two is uh, a telescope at the edge of a cliff with someone hanging off of <laughs> a, a man, chain. Yeah, that's the the safety chain for the telescope, and he's using it to propel down the cliff to get to the boat in the background. God, this mint is so good. Yeah, oh, I mm. hate you. Mm. Yeah, worth the wait. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. So this is when they're at Pollock Place. This is Thief at Work, Chapter Two. Uh, the uh, they recklessly abandoned this telescope. Yeah, to go in which, look inside Pollock Place for where the screaming was coming from. Yeah, and then they get locked in the room. Someone steals the eyepieces from the telescope and the tools from their motorcycles. And that was uh, the lovely Chapter Two with fantastic artwork. Yeah, this is beautiful. And you've. I have a very, very consistent style to anything I draw. I have yeah. the same face that I draw, same eyes. I struggle to make them look the other way. Yeah. They're always looking, like, they're always facing a little bit to their right. This is like Zoolander rules here. Honestly, like, like Derek I, Zoolander, I, dog. It's the drawing. only way I know how to draw. Yeah, you got to get that uh, blue steel. Yeah, so. If that's, is that what it's called, blue steel? I think so. Yeah. But or you, Magnum. you, by contrast have a very you've got a lot of variety to your style you've done like, like some watercolor you've done like that was a like charcoal sketch looking <laughs> yeah. piece um chapter three is a, a drawing of the boys riding oh, a God. bicycle or a motorcycle rather with the telescope box uh lashed to the handlebars as was described riding through a landslide and uh this was tough this was tough to do um, because I was really struggling to picture how this whole thing went down. But you can see my telltale signs. They are both looking slightly to their left. Oh, my God, left, yeah. They're right. They're always, that's, uh, that's where my nose is going to go always. <laughs> I'm going to draw the nose that way and that way alone. But yeah, that's when they're they riding through the landslide. They got Rick and Morty style eyes. Oh, they're scared. It's a landslide coming. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. What a great episode that was. Landslide, I think, is my favorite episode of all time. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic little episode. We yeah. get into the uh, mind of the author. That's the best bit we've ever done. Uh, I don't know. I like the bit that you did of Chet dying. Dying Chet. After he was bludgeoned in the head. I by felt like I was dying doing that, too. Yeah. I got we, so we lightheaded like a balloon. <laughs> it was terrible, but it was awesome. Oh, and right before that, you can see... Uh, Ghost of the Hardy Boys, that is the autobiography on Leslie. And you can see that he looks like Mr. Miyagi in the background of just two boys riding motorcycles. Yeah, it's, a, it's a terrifying image. <laughs> Chapter four, you went with Crayon. Yes, this is the the rescue. Crayon, uh, this man has jaundice. <laughs> uh, colored pencil, crayon, and... Uh, what, what are the black lines that like make their way Sharpie. to the water? Sharpie? Okay. Yeah, it's a big, thick Sharpie. Yeah, uh, for some bold outlines. This is Bill Jones. Uh, so so this is when they're pulling, they're saving the drowning guy. Yeah. And he was Frank described Johnson. as like limp with his neck bent over. Yeah, which we and imagine. Really captured that. He really broke his neck when lifting him out of the water. Yeah, grabbing him by his throat. That's good. <laughs> uh, chapter five is when they come back, check on Jones and the farmer and his wife are tied up, and Jones has been kidnapped. 
And the way they described these people in the uh, oh in the book, God. where like the farmer was like a burly farmer. Yeah, look at, and he's just yeah, like his, he's got the little six pack down there too. Well, he was described as like dark and built, and his wife just was just described as plump. <laughs> and so I did my best with her. I like that he's purple to make her face skin really <laughs> sort of <laughs> struggle to be contained by, <laughs> oh, by the gag. Seeping out the edges there. So, uh, oh, that is a great one. Yeah, that was a fun one to do. That was chapter five. Chapter six is when uh, Fen- <laughs> Fenton Hardy's going undercover at the wharf. Uh, and once again, we've imagined him in full on pirate gear, <laughs> thinking that that's how he blends in with sailors. We imagined that he had. It. Pure hook hands, too. <laughs> two like, hook he hands. just came with two hooks. He's like, a pirate has two hooks. But just, from that, he pokes everyone's eyes out. I just noticed this monkey has two eye patches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard because people probably look at it and like, oh, those are sunglasses. No, no, no. But if you zoom in, you can distinctly see uh, there are two eye patches. Do you zoom in on Instagram photos a lot? Oh, yeah. I do. Consistently. And I'm, I always think that no one everyone. else does. Yeah. No matter what it is, I'm going to zoom in. Oh, yeah. Find yeah. out what's there. Yeah. He's caught a fish on one of his hooks as well. Oh, yeah. It's a great fish. And that is modeled off of Jeffrey Rush and Pirates of the Caribbean. Good. I mean, if you look it up, if you look at his necklace, that's that uh, cursed Cortez oh, uh, jewels yeah. or whatever they had in that movie. Um, I believe one of those chapters was called Pretzel Pete. But it's not until chapter seven that we actually meet Pretzel Pete. Yes. So, like, they name a chapter after Pretzel Pete, and we have no but he's interaction. Just introduced. Yeah, he's like, just like, well, we should go talk to Pretzel Pete. They yeah, name it's the through dialogue. You don't even meet Stupid. him. Uh, so, Pretzel Pete is illustrated in the beginning of the book, like on on the in, inside cover. Oh yeah, on the little flap. It's an illustration of Pretzel Pete, which gave us a good little uh, little imagination. For what it could be, but we really Which, style them up a little bit. This episode also has our f- my favorite like team joke. And oh, is this a song? This is the song, dude. I could do the song note for note again and again. And when we went back to it a couple chapters, oh, ago, we did it again. Yeah, yeah. And I same song. I don't know. I made it up then. That's impressive. It's back. It's just. I just. I remember saved. like Dune. As Pretzel Pete made his way to the boys. I love the little pretzels raining around him. God, Pretzel Pete's such a cool character. It's raining pretzels. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Episode eight. This is my favorite moment, I think. This made me laugh one of the hardest. Oh, When we actually got there in the book, and you illustrated it so well, but... This is when they think they see a cap with blood stains on it inside. And, like, in the book, it's like Frank was leaning to see, uh, like, he's, he thought he saw the cap, so he was leaning real far to see if he could uh, get a better look at it. And you've illustrated him at, like, a 45 degree that angle Michael Jackson to the lane. window. Yeah, that, that smooth criminal lean. And the, the, the hat on the, on the hat rack is just dripping with blood. There's a stain. Stains on the wall and on the floor. And what is this? Was this watercolors? This is uh, my first attempt at watercolors. <laughs> it was not very good. I did a pathetic job, but I remember thinking, well, the blood looks good. Well, the blood looks great. 
Watercolor is meant for blood. <laughs> My friend uh, Colin, shout out to Colin, saw this image and he's like, "What perspective are you drawing this at?" <laughs> he's like, "What's with the house? What is that?" And I was like, "Well, you had to see him lean. That's the whole part of the joke." I do. I do appreciate that. How there is a horizon line <laughs> behind his feet. You've got grass and sky meeting at his feet, but then if you look in the through the window, somehow there must be an odd shaped hill in the background that curves back into perspective. It's, it's, it's a noble effort, but it is. It's a painting on the wall. Like that's not actually Joe. That's he just perfectly accidentally lined up with. Gotcha, it. gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. The sun is peeking up there. Pretty happy with those clouds. Oh man. I also didn't know if I should add furniture. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I left if it. I left smugglers, it play. if they're like squatting on this house to run a racket, they're, if there's going to be nothing be in there. I should have added spider make room webs. For the smuggles. Yeah, that's very true. It's all about. Oh, the by the way, they're smuggling pharmaceuticals. Yeah, it's it's an Indian pharmaceutical company, right? Yeah, they're, they're coming over from yeah. India. Ali Singh is, is and, at the head of the racket. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's a cool idea. But it's gone nowhere as no. of yet. Um, so this is what I was saying. Like, I don't know if we're at the main mystery because is the main mystery that Hardy, that Fenton Hardy, has been captured. He's got to be found in the next chapter. But yeah, I can't imagine that they're going to do another eight chapters without him, and then the boys are going to solve it all on their own. So, like that doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't see that lining up. Yeah. Um, but chapter nine is when they go to the cops and describe everything that they saw, and they have the hat, and like it's. It's written in the book like they're gesturing and like interrupting each other to tell the story. And so I, <laughs> I drew it with them like waving this dripping blood hat around and blood sort of this spraying This got violent. Yeah. Our drawings got very violent. Yeah, Not look violent, at that. Just bloody and gruesome. Just bloody there's, and there's gruesome. That, that's very true. Well, then you go to the next one and that's pretty violent. Yeah, and that's uh, Iola getting kicked <laughs> in the face. That's fantastic. And, and what medium is this? Is this watercolor again? This is watercolor. Wow, this is really well done. Watercolor and, and what is it? Sharpie again? Uh, that is a sharpie pen. Yes. Okay. Wow, yeah. you were pulling out all the stops. This I is am. I'm trying to get better and better with these. I'm enjoying drawing them. I think they're a blast. Now, though, that I think about it, I really want to redo it and do the man with the short T-Rex arms. Might, m- maybe he'll be back. I mean, he's got to be back. Yeah, I hope so. I hope the Snapman. Well, yeah, Snapman's definitely. He's, he did it. I mean, that's, of course. Yeah, we, not gonna, we know this. They, they aren't capable of a twist this big. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna take a quick break. And we're back. What yeah. happened there? I'd used the restroom suddenly very badly, <laughs> and I didn't want to. I it was, it was hindering my creativity, and I couldn't think about anything else. So I yeah, thought, you can't laugh at that moment. I don't think there's a ton left in this episode. I think we've we've. Yeah, we just did the, the the last episode, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's just overall thoughts and right. So last uh, tangents. I, I think just sort of wrapping it up, saying goodbye. I wasn't even prepared to do that with with you as waterlogged just, as I was. You could have ended from there, and it just cuts to the sound of pee in the toilet. And well, that's true. Yeah, but I wouldn't do that because <laughs> that's not like me. Uh, but so yeah, that's that's. Where we're at in the book right now is Fenton Hardy's missing. They just found a tunnel that leads to the bottom of Pollitt Place, which has some potential smugglers in it, and they learned this all with Pretzel Pete. They gotta, they're waiting for the, uh, the Marco Polo to come to, to port. It all sounds ridiculous when you say it this way. It sounds so ridiculous as we're reading it, even with every, 
every piece of context you could provide, it is just an awful book. It really is. Even though this has some great scenes. I think as of now, I like this one more than uh, Tower Treasure. Yeah. Right? Do you feel the same? Yeah. Yeah. And like we've gotten to know them more and stuff, and we've seen how they've reacted in other situations. We're seeing how they're changing, how they're growing, how they're getting dumber. They're definitely um, getting dumber. Preto is getting scarier. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it mainstream for just a second. Yeah, mainstream it up. Brett Kavanaugh. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Nope. Newly elected to the Supreme Court. Nope. Sounds um, like a baseball player to me. During his hearing, uh, he, had, uh, he had been accused of sexual assault. It's a, it's a tragic story. Hmm. Um, the, and the way it worked out in the political discourse and the fact that they pushed this guy through to the Supreme Court is strange. And regardless of his credentials, in the opening argument, his like opening statement of his congressional hearing – he, like, is angry and he's attacking Democrats for, like, smearing him and all this stuff and, like, yeah. goes legit, like, bonkers. Whew. And regardless of any of his individual views in that, it struck me and a lot of other people as, like, dude, I don't care what your views are. As a Supreme Court justice, you're supposed to be, like, level-headed and, like, above reproach and... You know, mm-hmm. we can bring any case to you, and you will look at it objectively and fairly. And all you've demonstrated today is that <laughs> you got very violently angry and defensive and chose this moment with a prepared statement to attack half Man. of the country. Like, yeah. to attack Democrats and not Republicans. Like, you're showing bias, which you can't do. It's like that's your job is to defend the Constitution and yes. nothing else. And it just doesn't give a lot of people hope for how, like, unbiased he will be in the future. Right. And I thought of that with Fenton Hardy in this book because he is supposed to be the world's greatest detective. Mm -hmm. And everything he's brought up has been like, I've got a feeling it's Felix Snatman. Yeah. And by the way, we aren't misspeaking. Both of the (laughs) non-main characters in this book have been named Felix uh, Pollitt, Pollitt and Felix, Felix Snapman. They were both Felix. One and the same, dude. The yeah. two Felixes. Uh, still a theory. But, yeah, we're, we're led to believe right now that... The Felix Helix. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's real good. That would Time be a better a name circle, for the book. Man. Yeah. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh... I forgot where I was just going. Oh, two but, Felixes. But, but Fenton Hardy and his bias... He keeps saying, like, I know it's Felix Snapman. Yeah. I just need to prove it. I just need to figure out. There's no evidence right now of him. He's been missing for years, but I'm going to figure out how this is Felix Snapman. And it's just so dumb for a detective. Like, if you're this famous detective, why are you like, hey, I've got this hunch, and I'm going to put everything on that and ignore everything Everything, else. yeah. And then I'm going to get kidnapped because of it. Yeah. And then beaten up and murdered. By not Felix Snapman. Yeah. <laughs> But as we were discussing right before break two, (laughs) I don't think they're capable of a twist. No, it's because they're children's books in our minds. Like we talked about this last season. Like for us, we have all these cool ideas of, oh, what if they did it like this? And then we're like, well, this just has to entertain a four year old or whoever this target audience is. Whatever person. This non existent target audience. Why are these books so popular? The only. So I read several of these as a kid, a bunch of these. Yeah. The only one I remember reading is the first one, The Tower Treasure. I remember vague pieces of that. Mm -hmm. 
the only thing I really remember is being blown away at the twist. And I realized rereading it, it's that the tower to which they're referring the entire time is not the tower of the tower mansion. It's the water Water towers. Yeah. And I remember being like, Oh my God, I never saw that coming. That's crazy. And this was when we were reading it the first time together. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. No, this was as a kid. (laughs) And now as I'm reading it, the whole time it's it's obviously going to be Red Jackley and that's like everything's leading toward that. Yeah. But as you and I were talking, like there's so much potential for it to have been the sister, Adelia Applegate, of who, oh, who lives in the mansion. That. Yeah. To have staged this whole thing because she kept being real suspicious anytime mm-hmm. they, they tried to You're investigate. You're not gonna find it. anything. Yeah, who there's, says there's that? no reason for you to look in the tower. You're not gonna find anything there. Yeah. And it's very suspicious. And it, as an adult I'm like, how is how do you not like that's the obvious This is route. suspect number one right here. Like I feel like the the obvious like formula for a mystery these days is to like paint it where it's clearly going in one direction and then you've got the switch. Got twist. Yeah. And the fact that this misses any <laughs> twist is hilarious to me. But I didn't ping on that when I was a kid. Like as a kid, I was like, "Oh man, good writing." Yeah, this is good stuff. There's no bait and switch. Yeah, it just it's just it's bait. bait. <laughs> it's just like pure food. Yeah, here's yeah. here's some cheese for the mouse, and they ate it. Good book over. <laughs> and so yeah, I, as we read this book, the second book, I f- I have no faith that like it's not it's it's absolutely going to end up being Felix Statman, and I know no doubt, that. and yeah. I have no faith that it's going to go in any other direction where it's going to be. So where Pretzel Pete, this informant, turns out he was he's in on it, and he's been yeah yeah and he's been given misinformation to throw them off the scent, and like there's just no way that this book is capable of that sort of of level of twist, and that's heartbreaking to me. But we should write our own endings. But if one of these books does, oh man, take yeah. that twist. Damn, it's gonna <laughs> blindside me. I'm gonna be so stoked. I feel like it's not gonna be in the first twenty five. I feel like if we start reading the ones that were made in like the seventies or eighties when they did crossovers with Nancy Drew, then we'll get some weird Hardy Boys I action. Hope so. I but think man, that's if, a fact. Like if you read the titles of these later books, um let me pull up the list and there's an order farm form on the back page. Uh, Fifty three titles in hardcover. If you have an interbank card, you can uh, put your <laughs> number there. Um, but uh, just pulling out some random ones here, like uh, 18 Twisted Claw. I assume, th- I assume these are, are somewhat abbreviated, like the mystery. The Double of, Jinx Mystery. Shore Road Mystery. Uh, the Sign of the Crooked Arrow. The uh, Flying Saucer Mystery. That one Secret good. of Skull Mountain. They're going to have to go Some somewhere called Skull Mountain. <laughs> yeah. So given how, how ridiculous these are going to get, oh God. I have to assume that at some point we're, they're going to break the formula a little bit. The clue of the dancing puppet. Ghost at Skeleton Rock. Did you say mystery at Devil's Paw? No, I didn't even see that. A, Was the devil a dog? Oh, man. I, I just want to quickly read the ones that start with mystery. We've got <laughs> mystery of Cabin Island. Then going down, Mystery of the Flying Express. I do remember reading that one. I remember nothing about it other than the Flying Express is a boat. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, then we get Mystery at Devil's Paw. Mystery of the Chinese Junk. <laughs> that's <laughs> book 39. No way. Book 39, Mystery of the Chinese Junk. Book 40, Mystery of the Desert Giant. 
Mystery of the Aztec Warrior, Mystery of the Spiral Bridge, Mystery of the Whale Tattoo, Mystery, oh, The Mysterious Caravan. Did you already do Mystery at the Ski Jump? You made that up. No. What number, number is that? That's number 29 for me. I have Secret of the Lost Tunnel as my 29. Dude, I don't have the, the Chinese junk on mine. That's 39 for me. Oh, can I tell you why? This is embarrassing. These are Nancy Drew books for me. Oh, you were... I'm a page back. <laughs> oh, I don't even have that Wait, in mind. Why do the I same... have Nancy Drew? You don't have this page? No. You know what it is? This is the My same book books. was printed long before yours. Why? Did you get yours this from me? This was my childhood book. Oh. This is a 1990 printing. What, what you got in yours? Oh. Mine are up front. Oh, there you go. I don't even know when mine was printed. Mine's across from a table of contents. 1990 printing. Copyright in 1927, 1955, and 1959. Mine just says copyright 87, 59, 27. Hmm. Doesn't have a publication date. Bummer. Okay, yeah. There we go. Where's the Chinese junk? I like that one. 39. Danger on Vampire Trail. The Masked Monkey. Yeah, there's some. So, so all I'm mystery saying mystery of the samurai sword. Yeah, so they have to get to they some. They just re- stop caring. <laughs> like, there's no way they're still in Bayport. Like, there's no Skull Mountain in Bayport. Oh, there's no, no like, way. There's no the skeleton. The haunted at, fort. The ghost at Skeleton Island, I think, is one of them. Like, so I'm just hoping that. That we get to a place where they are capable of twists when there's supernatural potentially happening. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, of potential well, for Well, I know series. a spoiler that happens in one of the crossovers, but I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to ruin it for you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate you, you holstering but that. But all I can say is it's really crazy. But I know it's in the newer ones, and it does get pretty dark. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. What sort of breaks my heart is that, like, book number 39, which is the Chinese junk, <laughs> if we're at this pace of roughly two it books takes a year, two, two books a year, <laughs> a little slightly more than two books a year, I think. Yeah. It's 20 weeks. Yeah. It'd probably be six 20, books every two years. Something like that. Maybe five books every two years would probably yeah. be, because six books every two just divides to three. Well, yeah, that's um, true. Darn it. <laughs> but probably five every three years. And by that math, it's going to be like 20 years before we get to... We'll be in our 50s. God, I hope. Yeah. I hope that wherever we go, if, we do, if we're not still both in St. Louis, that we figure out a way to record oh, these I'm, together. I'm because completely in. this is such a beautiful thing. And we've got... At that point, our Patreon money is going to be so high. Oh, my gosh. We'll be the longest probably podcast be of all time, too. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to go for... 20 years. You know what's funny? Huh. It's like pe- people who have these ideas for podcasts and stuff, and like they do a TV show where they go into every episode, mm-hmm. and then it lasts seven, you know, seven seasons of a TV show, like Gilmore Guys, that podcast. I didn't even know that was a podcast, but I love Gilmore uh, Girls. It's like one super fan and one guy who's never watched them before, and they're watching Gilmore <laughs> Girls together. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but once they run out of episodes, they're it's done. done. Uh, yeah. And I think they're going back and rewatching them with other people or something. Um, but oh. I feel like we will comfortably be able to read the original series only until we die. I think that's a fair I statement. I don't think there's a way that we would 
be able to ever surpass the 50 books in the series, the 59 books in the series or something like that? In the, there in the, is, in this series, it says 53 additional titles in hardcover. I've got 58. Sting of the Scorpion is book 58. Sting the Scorpion? The Sting of the Scorpion. And then we also, we have crossovers. We had ideas about doing small episodes of Nancy Drew. Yeah, doing some summary episodes. But, yeah. But we've got 58, <laughs> which is roughly... No, we could do it. Even if it's two a year, that's 25 years. I'll probably be alive for 25 years, I hope. What does that mean? I mean... I take back Why what I said. Why did you look at me and say, well, I'll probably be alive. Like, I'm not going to be You're younger than me. So I should definitely be alive. Yeah, exactly. But my point is, oh, okay, that you... I think we could finish all 58 books in our lifetime. Uh, well, I hope so now, because now I feel like now you're that to get Now that I did the math right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Right before we release the last episode, David's yeah. going to mysteriously disappear, and that will be my gift to the patrons. <gasps> oh, I become mystery. a Hardy Boy legend. That, you I become like the that. ghost of the Hardys, and I you would, get to float your face behind I the motorcycles. I would love to die that way. Be a mystery, man. Be a book mystery. Well, if you'd like me to murder David in 25 years, hop on over to Patreon and sign up. <laughs> Could that be a tier? <laughs> the $1 Assassin fees? The $1 tier is just like, I'm not listening to the podcast, but I do want you to kill David in 25 <laughs> yeah. years. This is my official note. What this is, is that? There's the a movie with Scott Wolf where he hires someone to kill him and then he decides at the last minute he doesn't want to do it, but he already paid the assassin and he's like, yo, there's no backsies, man. You paid me, you die. I don't know why you made me think of that movie. You pro- no one probably knows who Scott Wolf is either. Yeah, you it? said that name, and that's right. I stopped at Scott Wolf, and I've been trying to picture a wolf named Double Scott. Dragons. Okay, I, I love Double Dragon, the film. Okay, and Mark Dacascus, Scott Wolf. Well, before we before we go too far off, I feel like we've covered what we need to cover for this yeah, recap. Yeah, this is a good recap. You know what you need to know to yeah. join us next chapter. We're gonna find Fenton Hardy. We're going to figure out what's happening at the Pollock Place and with the smuggling and who Ali Singh is. We're yeah. going to find out what happens when Marco Polo comes to town. Yeah. And the Snapman's definitely behind this. Yeah. It, we're not going to get Oscar Smuff either. I think he's gone. Oscar Smuff was a detective, a rival detective from the first book who was just a, Huge plot a bumbling point idiot. Yeah. And, uh, and he is not present yet in this book. And I hope he is back he, in future books. I hope so, too. It'd be great. The turds. Nor do we have Rocco. A lot of the great characters are lost. I wonder if they'll have a friend named Kevin when we get to chapter 11. 